Welcome to part two of a great conversation on the Landman Pivot podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Fairbanks. I think you touched upon something that's really important when you talked about your crew chief. And, you know, that's learning from other people. That was another thing, you know, all the, not just the women in my book, but all the the people that I've interviewed in the the course of my career, Mm -hmm. you know, advise you, you know, learn, learn from other people. And, um, we never, we never know it all. And, and a smart person, you know, surrounds themselves with people who know more than they do and that they can learn from. And, um, you know, that's why mentors and sponsors are so important and it, it can be difficult to find those sometimes, but they, you know, they are out there. Sometimes you just have to take the initiative and approach somebody. And you might be surprised that, once you ask it, oh, hey, they're, they're happy to do that. You know, they'd love to do it. They just haven't been asked before. Right. And, and you know, and, and of course, it, it was a little more difficult uh, when we had a lot of restrictions under COVID. Those are easing now. But, you know, the things that we always hear are tried and true, you know, networking and joining um, organizations that, you know, pertain to the type of work you do and things like that, AAPL in the various organizations. So those are all important, expanding your network and finding people that, that will uh, help you advance in your career. So you were, you were very fortunate to have that from the beginning and to learn from somebody that saw the value in that. Yeah. I felt very blessed by that. Um, That kind of leads me to a question for you. What are some of the struggles that you faced in your career doing land and publishing and, who were those mentors that stood at that crossroads to help you through it? Yeah, um, I, I like you. I've been fortunate and um, had people that gave me advice and showed me the way and that I learned from. But I, <laughs> I also am not afraid to approach people or contact them or reach out. Mm-hmm. That's a little more common. Nowadays with, with social media, you know, you find somebody and you, you send them a message, but um, I go back a little farther than that. (laughs) And, and so, you know, starting out in my career as a journalist, I, I wasn't afraid to, um, you know, contact people, whether that was by phone back in the old days, sometimes it was even write a letter. (laughs) And, and I did live overseas for 14 years, and that was starting in 1992. And email was just becoming, you know, popular and accepted as, as a business model. Like, it was okay to email somebody. But I, I can still uh, remember sending letters, and I can remember faxing, you know, as a as a faster form of communication to get in touch with somebody. So, um, I, you know, I think it is important to, to put yourself out there in a professional way. I mean, you don't want to hound somebody. People are busy. And of course, the higher up they get, uh, the busier they get. But, you, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be surprised at the people that are willing to help you. So I was very fortunate that I had good role models and mentors who were uh, successful journalists, accomplished journalists. I have one. And, and I also tend to befriend people. You know, I, I like to keep people in my life. I don't like it to be, even if I'm interviewing somebody, I don't like it to just be this one-off thing and mm-hmm. thank you. Bye. Never, never see you or hear from you again. 
it's it's not always necessarily a relationship where you're talking on the phone or or even talking often, but I do like to cultivate relationships where you can email somebody and say, you know, hey, I need help with a project or I, I need a source or do you know a landman, you know, who who could do this or who would be available for a project? So it's important to cultivate those relationships and not be afraid to approach people. And so I look back and and I'm still in touch with some of the people that I, you know, interviewed early on in my career. And at this point, we're talking 30 years. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and you can't do that with everybody, but but some of those people do become very valuable, whether they're, you know, it's, mentoring doesn't necessarily have to be formal, can be informal. Right. Yeah, and they can just be sort of advisors or, you know, give you guidance kind of thing. So um, that that's, that's helped a lot. And um, also to being a journalist, you know, and, and that's kind of what led me to write my book is when you face a problem, I look for the book. <laughs> who right. Wrote, yeah. Who wrote, yeah. <laughs> who wrote the book about what to do in a downturn, you know, or, um, you know, how to reinvent yourself mid-career, that kind of thing. And um that's what led me to write my book was I, I didn't find that book about women in the industry. And I'm thrilled to say that, you know, since I've written my book, there were, there were one, you know, a couple before mine, I don't want to act like I was the first one. There were a couple of books about women in the oil and gas industry and um, but not many, I mean, you really had to search or, you know, you bought a book about the history of the oil and gas industry or the history of a wildcatter. And, you know, a woman might be mentioned somewhere in there, mm-hmm. but there wasn't, um, there weren't many books devoted exclusively to women. I'm thrilled to say that since, since my books come out and in these past 10 years, there are quite a few other books. And um, I found one about a woman who was a lease analyst and she wrote kind of the, <laughs> the great success stories and the horror stories. And that had some really fun and interesting anecdotes in that. And yeah, I bet it I did. Be- and especially from a, a research and title perspective to hear that from a lease analyst perspective, I bet is fascinating. Yes. And I wish I, I apologize that because I didn't know that was going to come up in the conversation. Um, I believe it's called Tales of a Leased Analyst. I, I wish I had that in front of me and I could get it to you later, but um I'm pretty sure it's one of the few out there about working as, as a a lease analyst. So they could probably find it if they Googled it. Um, And, you know, then there, there are other books that touch on different sectors of the industry. I know there's a book called wildcat women and that profiles the women that worked on the trans Alaska pipeline in the seventies. That's a fascinating historical account. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's another book called Anomalies written by Robbie Grice, and um, that is like 100 years of women geologists. So she really put a lot of time and effort into researching that. That is very comprehensive. You know, my, my book is is not as comprehensive and just, you know, I tried to cover, as I said, the different roles, different positions, Um but Robbie's is very comprehensive for anybody that's interested in, in geology, the geosciences. And um, yeah, so now there, there are 
more books about women out there, which is very encouraging. Yeah, those all sound like fantastic resources and encouragement, particularly for women in the industry. Yeah, and I like that they cover different segments too, because not everybody wants to be an engineer or not everybody wants to be a geologist or not Mm -hmm. everybody wants to work offshore. So it's wonderful that that these books are all pretty different in what in what they cover. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing those. Um, We were talking earlier about skill development. What are the two or three most valuable skills that you've developed in your career? Well, of course, the research, I feel like I'm being repetitive, but, you know, with with land and title work, we have to be so careful to get things right. You know, royalty interests and, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, percentages and, and who owns the minerals. And so my research skills obviously have come in very handy. And the the friend that I that got me started in the industry always said, <laughs> you know, her, her uh, mantra was kind of check, 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 you know, even when you think you've got it right, go back and double check it and then triple check it. So, you know, that, that attention to detail is so important mm-hmm. and people might not think that's a skill, but, but it really is, you know, because it prevents mistakes from creeping into your work. So, you know, the, you know, honing your research skills and, and learning to, to be so uh, accurate. And that, that's why my, you know, my friend has been very successful and that's because her clients know that her work is going, she has so much attention to detail and to accuracy. So those are really important things to develop. And, um, Again, people may not consider this a skill, but from from what I've, you know, seen in my own career and the the women that I talk to, and I don't only talk to women. <laughs> Do you talk to men? But you know, my focus is on women um, because I feel like there's not a lot of of information out there. But um, resilience, you know, it's so important to be resilient and mm-hmm. to. And, and, you know, I think that's probably something that that COVID taught us maybe more than any of the other downturns, you know, is to be resilient and to think about what other skills we have. Everybody has other skills. There's no person out there who only has one skill or talent or gift. And, you know, sometimes we, we have to think about it. We have to think about what we're good at, what we like, what we have an aptitude for. But, but we all do have other things, and um, it's important to develop those other skills and talents so that we do have things to fall back on when these difficult times come, because it is a cyclical industry. But one of the things, and I think maybe we were, we were going to touch on this um, during our conversation, is, you know, we are in the middle of a transition, mm-hmm. and even though you're you know, you and I, and and I'm sure most of your listeners are pro oil and gas. We do realize that we need to transition. You know, we're in the middle of an energy transition. Oil and gas will most likely be part of the mix for a long time to come, Mm -hmm. but we're trying to cut back on emissions and things like that and um, get to net zero. But 
you know, landmen are starting to to lease land for the solar and wind industries. So I absolutely think if that's of interest to people, I'm not saying that they have to do it. And I do think oil and gas land work will be around for the foreseeable future. But it's certainly something for for those of us who are landmen to consider because um, it's not something that I've done yet in, in my career, but I know other landmen who are doing it. There are similarities, but there are also differences. So I think it's at least worth exploring. You know, yeah, people- I think so too. You know, there's, you make a good point in talking about research and resilience. There are skills that we've developed to do land work that can so easily be applied to some of those other forms of energy production. Mm-hmm. If there's an opportunity and it's a good fit for the individual and the company who's looking for people to do work, why not? Absolutely. And it, it, like I said, the, you know, the people that I've talked to that have done it, there are enough similarities that you wouldn't feel like you were starting from scratch or mm-hmm. that you have no knowledge or expertise. You, you, you know, you absolutely do. And you just need to, to learn and, and educate yourself about what the differences are. But, you know, I personally think it's an excellent opportunity for landmen and, and would encourage people that are interested to, you know, just just start educating themselves now and kind of looking into it, maybe talking to some landmen who have done it. I know NAPE magazine, NAPE is, you know, one of the conference organizers, mm-hmm. they're getting ready to put on this big conference in Houston in August. NAPE publishes its own magazine, which I do write for. And um, they did, I, I did not write it, but someone wrote an article on 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 leasing for solar. And so, you know, there is information out there. People can educate themselves and see if, you know, hey, that might be something I'd like to pivot to and and learn about and start doing. So I I think it's a unique opportunity for landmen in particular. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that kind of fits into kind of a final question I wanted to ask you is, you know, we've probably both seen a lot of people that we've worked with people in our industry who, whether projects have been refined or reduced or shut down because of COVID, because of low oil prices and operators hesitant, reluctant to pick back up on staff, just not knowing what the future is going to look like or Mm -hmm. pushing the current staff that is still on hand to do more with less. And it continues to be, part of the conversation, how can we do more with the people we have, with the resources we have? Mm -hmm. How can we serve those who are facing some form of transition, whether that's within the oil and gas industry or looking to employ their skills somewhere else? Yeah, absolutely, Ryan, because, you know, there are people who are still struggling and the industry is still, you know, struggling to come back to the pre-COVID levels. I do think the signs are encouraging from what I see in here, Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, obviously if you're someone who maybe has been laid off or like you say, your, your workload's been reduced or possibly taken a pay cut, I think that it's just important to, you know, try to keep 
as positive an attitude as you can. And I know that can be tough, but surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with positive things, use all the tools at your disposal. We're probably all being a little fiscally conservative right now, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. which is totally understandable and a smart thing to do. But there are a lot of free or low cost resources out there. Some of the associations, you know, are accommodating people, offering lower rates or or maybe offering, uh, you know, some kind of financial help. So seek those things out. You know, don't don't be don't be too proud to to help yourself because, you know, people do want to help you. And there are, you know, a lot of things like your podcast, which people can tune into and listen to. And there are things that that don't cost money. Um, you know, I think absolutely if people can maybe uh, consult some kind of uh, career career guidance, you know, consultant or somebody that specializes in that, because mm-hmm. sometimes I think we we can't always see the, maybe the value that we bring to something and, and maybe we don't see where we have additional skills and talents that could be put to use. And a lot of times it's just good to get that neutral third party perspective. So I think absolutely seek out those, those tools that are no cost or low cost that can enhance your career. And, you know, as, as we said earlier, the, the networking is so important you know, go back and, and touch base maybe with people that you haven't talked to in a while. Not that you're not that you're trying to, to uh, get something from them, but reestablish that relationship. Mm-hmm. And 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 I really do. I think this is a very empathetic industry because we've all been through it. People know what it's like to be downsized or or to, you know, to be let go or to, you know, be offered a severance package or or whatever the case may be. And so I, I think, you know, if we if we look for it, we'll find a lot of empathetic people in our industry that would try to help us in some way. Certainly they're out there. There are, you know, the magazines that you're involved with, Oil Woman and Oil Man magazine are great resources with the profiles you. there, you know, being able to connect with staff from the magazines as well as the people that you profile in the magazines are great ways to connect network with positive people who are doing things in the industry and can be those mentors for people. So Mm -hmm. great, great resources and very affordable for people to engage in those kinds of things. A couple of other resources that I'll just throw out here that Mm -hmm. I'm providing for people, certainly the podcast, people can subscribe to that, keep it going and be able to get inspiration, insight, encouragement from other people that I interview and the pivots that they've been through and how they've been successful in that. Also, the LinkedIn group that I run called the Land Skills Network is another way for people to engage with other people who are active in the industry. I post job openings there often and just try to engage the community in conversation and keep it positive, identify skills that people have and how they can be used. So a couple of other great resources. And that's what I'd encourage people to do is connect with me, connect with Rebecca on LinkedIn, join the Land Skills Network and start developing those relationships. 
Absolutely, Ryan. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to hear you have a couple of resources I wasn't aware of. And then just if you don't mind me saying, the digital edition of the magazine is free to subscribers. So if you just go on either one of those websites, oilmanmagazine.com or oilwomanmagazine.com, you'll you'll see a subscribe uh, button. And like I said, it is it is free to receive that digital edition. And so, wonderful. you know, yeah, there you've got your your bi-monthly, uh, as you said, inspiration. All right. Uh, anything else you want to wrap up or tell us about projects that you're working on right now? Well, um, on the on the magazine side, which which is where I focus, you know, most of most of my uh, efforts right now. We do have a special edition coming out for the NAEP and OTC conferences, so people mm-hmm. will see that if if they're planning to attend. Um, if not, they can go online and take a look. And, you know, other than that, we're just kind of ramping up for that one year anniversary, which is, which is super exciting. And, um, you know, I do have a couple of land things in the works, but, uh, you know, waiting to see how things go with that. So I'll just keep that a secret for now. <laughs> Not really a secret, but just need to see if it works out. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, just just keep focusing on on finding those those women and men uh, in the industry who are an inspiration to to all of us, and um, you know, show us what can be what can be done and how we can pivot, how we can survive these upturns uh, excuse me well yeah we want to survive the upturns right um, definitely yes how we can survive the downturns uh and you know pivot and be resilient yeah that's a great message thank you so much been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and again just encourage people to to connect with rebecca on linkedin go to the magazine websites get access to those and get your inspiration thanks so much rebecca Thank you, Ryan. If you feel stuck in a single role, like you're muddling through on your own, and you're curious about how you can make yourself more valuable in this or any industry, visit my website at landmanmastermind.com. I help land professionals connect with mentors and coaches through one-on-one coaching, mastermind groups, and connection to the Land Skills Network community. Hope to see you there soon.